Okay. So today we're going to cover Esther, right? Last week we covered Vashti. Um, and what we said about Vashti last week was that she was complicated. We said there were things to learn from her. We said, you know, that there were also things that got to not learn from her. We talked about why the rabbis were so motivated to kind of paint her in this very negative light. Um, we also talked about how in modern times there are many people who paint her in an overly positive light. Um, and we talked about, you know, why we should think twice about doing that. But there are, there are things to learn from her. So today I want to I wanna do Esther. And like we started to say last week, many times the way we look at Vashti and Esther are like foils. So Vashti bad, Esther good, right? Vashti did a bit, did all the bad things, Esther did, did good things. Um, and, and Esther was everything Vashti was not. Um, I want to challenge that a little bit. Um, I want to sort of appreciate ha- how Vashti all almost like paved the way for Esther and how Esther learned from Vashti's mistakes and used them to her advantage. Um, and another thing I want to look at is really Esther before the plan. So many times we look at Esther as, oh, she was this passive orphan. And then all of a sudden, like Mordechai, like convinced her and inspired her. And then all of a sudden she became, you know, she sprung into action. Um, I'm not sure that that's a hundred percent true. I think that there is, you know, what to appreciate about her character and, and her as a strong character, even before, um, you know, Mordechai kind of inspires her. No doubt he had a hand in inspiring her to take action. But I think that, that you know, that that um, that leadership ability was there from before and that, like, strength um, was there from before. So before we actually meet Esther um, officially in the Megillah, right, the, the way in which she's introduced is through this um, gathering of the the women, right? Archashverosh gets rid of Vashti, and then after time, the Megillah tells us that he regrets getting rid of her, and he needs a new wife. And his advisors say, like, oh, why don't we gather all of the women, um, and then and that way you'll find a new wife. So just to appreciate the scenario that Esther is walking into, I want to just look at that scene for a minute. We talked last week about how there were allusions to the story of Yosef in Megillat Esther. So I want to look at a couple of those today and how it highlights certain things about the keep the gathering of the women, right? So in Parakbet, we see, right? After, the, after these things, the party and getting rid of Vashti, right? Right after Achashverosh, his his anger dies down, and he remembers Vashti and everything that he did and everything that had happened to her. And the king's servants say, right? Let's gather all the beautiful um, girls and and you know see who's fit for the king, right? And then the pasuk gimel goes like this, Vayafked HaMelech Pekidim, right? The king appoints officers, Bechol Medinot Malchuto, in all of the, you know, provinces of his kingdom, Vayikbetsu et kol na'ara betula tovat ma'ara, and they gather, right, all of the young, beautiful women into this, right, into um, uh, the Shomer, right, the house, the Bet HaNashim, where, where this um, officer is kind of like in charge of all the women. They bring them to this Betanashim, this house of women. And 
Achashverosh agrees with this plan, right? In Pasuk Dalid, Vayitav hadavar be'enei hamelech. This plan sounded good to him. He was said, all right, I'm on board with this. These, this language of gathering appears also in the story of Yosef. But look how it appears, okay? I'm in Bereshi Perek Mem Aleph, okay, in source number one. Right? When Yosef um, interprets Paro's dreams and determines that there's going to be seven years of hunger, seven years of wealth and, and prosperity and abundance, followed by seven years of hunger, Yosef comes up with a plan to store food during the seven years of prosperity for the hunger. And the way that he brings up his plan is like this. Um, in Pasuk Lamedalid, Ya'aseh paro vayafked pikidim. He should appoint officers, al ha'aretz, right? And he should gather food in the times of prosperity. And then in Pasuk Lamed, hey, vayikbetsu et kol ha'ochel hashanim ha'tovot ha'baot ha'ele, right? They, he gathers all of, the, all of the food during the good times, right? And then in the beginning of Pasuk Lamed Zayin, Vayitav hadavar be'ene par'o. Par'o agreed with this plan. So look how the language is similar, right? You have the Vayafked pekidim, right? Yosef tells par'o to be Vayafked pekidim, the same way that Achashverosh's officers are telling him to write Vayafked pekidim, right? It's literally the same language, right? Vayikbetsu, and they gather. They gather the women, they gather the food, right? Vayitav hadavar be'ene hamelech, vayitav hadavar be'ene paro, right? This, this gathering, right? It, this hoarding, it's so, it's, it's blatant that the Pesukim and the Megillah are sending you back to the story of Yosef. Because in Yosef, what are they hoarding in the story of Yosef? The wheat, the food, right? They're hoarding food. So the, the, by using the same language, right, it, it really sets you up for what is this guy doing? He's hoarding women, right? The, the lang- it, it throws you back to that story of Yosef and it, it, it puts such a, um, you know, gives you that connotation of, of hoarding, of like gathering, right, of saving. So it's not just like, oh, let's have a beauty pageant. It's much worse than that. Right, and this is what Esther is walking into, okay? And if you want to just, um, if, if you don't, if you, you're not sold on that one, right? We have another reference where in, in Pasuk Yudbet when we talk about how all of the women were, you know, beautifying themselves and the six months with the makeup and six months in the oils, right? So in Pasuk Yudbet, right, when it was her turn, Right? At the end of 12 months, when they were bathing in oils and beautifying themselves, right? Then it was her turn to be with the king, right? This turn, right? We see it at the end of Sefer Bereshit, when? I'm in Perik in the, bo- the bottom of page one on the last source on the page, right? Vayitzav Yosef et avadav et harofim lachnot et aviv vayachnetu harofim et Yisrael vayimleu lo arbaim yom ken yimleu yemei chanutim. They're like mummifying them, right? This is talking about the mummification of Yaakov, right? When the day ken yimleu yemei chanutim, right? When the days were up. You have the same words in the Megillah. Ken yimleu yemei merukehen. Right when the days of their, you know, beautifying themselves were up, 
So you have these clear references to the story of Yosef, but not in a good way, right? With Vashti, we said, oh, we're alluding Vashti to Yosef, maybe to give her some credit. Here, we're not giving Hashverosh any credit for what he's putting these women through, right? Hoarding them like they hoarded food, you know, making them get get themselves ready as if they're like mummifying themselves, right? It has, it's like a, it's creepy a little bit, right? Like it's, you, it leaves a bad taste in your mouth. Um, but it's clear that the language in the Megillah is deliberate want, and it wants you to think of, of the, the story of Yosef as well. So this is what Esther is walking into, okay? So I think off the bat, when you say that this is what she's walking into, right? Obviously, she's not going to want to walk into that, right? So when we say that tilakach Esther, I think obviously she went against her will, but I don't think that we can say she sat and did nothing. And, and you'll see what I mean. So page number two, okay? So now we're going to meet Esther. Now the Megillah introduces us to Esther. In Perik Bet, first we write, the Megillah first introduces us to Mordechai, Ish Yehudi Hayab Shushan Habira, okay, very nice. And then he says, oh, in Pasuk Zain, Vayihi Omenet Hadasa, he Esther Batodo, right? He had adopted and he nursed Hadasa, he Esther, right? His his niece, his cousin, right? Ki en la avaem, she didn't have a mother or father, Vehanara, Yifat Tor, Vifat Mare, Ubemot Aviha Veimah, Right? When her parents had died, he took her in and took care of her. Right? When, when they heard about the king's decree, when he was gathering all the women in Shushan, Right? So Esther was taken because that was the rule. We, we talked about this is, this is what she's going into. Okay? Uh-oh. Right? She finds favor in his eyes. Right? So the king likes her. He sends her things. He sends her makeup and presents and and servants, right? Ne'arot, right? And then we have Pasuk Yod, Lo higida ester et amah ve'et moladeta ki mordechai tziva aleha asher lo tagid, right? Now, you can look at this as she was super passive, so she was just taken and she didn't say anything. Or you could look at it as she chose not to say anything. She was trying very hard not to be chosen, meaning it was an active decision. To It was almost like she was being passive-aggressive. It was an active decision not to talk about who she was and where she was from. And we'll see that more strongly um, in the next few pasukim, right? So in, we read Pasuk Yedbet before, but Pasuk Yedbet describes how every woman was, she beautified herself for 12 months and they were given all this makeup, right? Why? They're all preparing themselves for the king, right? They're all actively trying to be chosen. They know they have one chance. They have one night, right? He takes, every night, he takes a turn with a different girl, and they know they have one night to prove themselves. So they spend all this time getting ready, 12 months, and makeup, and things, right? And in Pasuk Tevav, what do we see? Right, Dod Mordechai, Lebat, Right, it's almost her turn. Lo She's not asking for anything, not because she's passive, but because she's choosing not to ask for anything. She's trying not to get picked. 
Everyone else is trying to get picked, right? She's lobik I'm not asking for anything because she's going to do whatever she can not to be picked. She doesn't want to be picked, right? But then the pasuk tells us, She had this natural ability where just people automatically liked her. So again, right? She was taken despite her attempts to not be taken. Despite her attempts to not be picked, she was taken anyway. Right? And the king loved Esther from all of the women. And he liked her from all of the women. And we are reminded why she's here. We're reminded that she replaced Vashti, right? So meaning the criteria for the next queen was somebody for Achashverosh. In Achashverosh's eyes, she can't be like Vashti. So Esther's kind of choosing to not to advocate for herself, right? And choosing to stay back, he, that appealed to him because Vashti, what did she do, right? She was, oh, she was too much. She came and she stood up to him, right? So this piece of Esther, that Esther's thinking like, great, I'm just going to lay low when he's not going to pick me. That's what he liked because the criteria for a woman for him is she can't be Vashti, right? Vashti didn't work out for me. She stood up to me. She was too, you know, she was too powerful, right? And then we had to send out letters that, oh, the man is the ruler of the house and the women can't stand up, right? That is not what we want, right? And, and when also the Vashti, it also hints to us that Esther knew what happened before her, right? Esther knew that she was taking Vashti's place and Esther knew, uh-oh, like, where am I? Look what happened to the woman that was in my position before, right? So this Vayam Tachat Vashti is like the Megillah's hinting to us that Esther knew exactly what circumstances she was in and um, I don't think that we can say that she was totally passive about it. I think she was very aware of her surroundings and I think she tried to avoid being in that scenario initially, and, and it, it just didn't work because of the dynamics, because of what Achashverosh understood about Esther um, and, and what had happened with Vashti, right? And then again in Pasukav, En Esther magedet moladeta ve'et ama ka'asher tziva aleha mordechai ve'et ma'amar mordechai Esther osa, right? She, she's, not, she's, not, she's not talking about where she is. She wants to be as, as she's making the active decision to be as closed off from him as possible. Now the Mefarshim, I'm on page three, um, comment on this right asher lo tagid so again like we're we're used to thinking that she was just passive so she just didn't do anything right but what rashi says here is interesting rashi and then the shalom is there so rashi says right so she actively decided not to say anything she did not say anything because she was passive it was a calculated active decision so that they would think that she was a nobody and then maybe if they thought she was a nobody, they would let her go. Because why? Right? We said that they were from the tribe of Binyamin, Mordechai, right? Ish Yamini is from the tribe of Binyamin. Shaul was from Shevet Binyamin. So Esther was thinking that if they're going to find out that she's really royalty, then they're really going to want her. So she actively decided not to talk about where she was from so that they think, oh, she's just a peasant girl. Let's, let's let her go. Unfortunately, it didn't work out in her favor. Well, fortunately, actually, I should say, it didn't work out in her favor, right? And then the Shalom Esther, which, is, uh, which was written by Yitzchak ben Mordechai Gershon, 16th century in France. 
he says something very, very, very similar, right? That it was calculated. She wanted to tell him where she was from because maybe if she says, oh, I'm from the exiled people, right? Maybe he'll let her go. But Mordechai said, but Mordechai advised her, don't say anything. Because, right, maybe this is the time where things can change for us, right? But what we see from these two Mifarshim is that she wasn't sitting and doing nothing. She was actively calculating and assessing the situation in her head, right? She was trying to figure out what the best way to do and what the best, ha- what the best way to, to go about this was. So up until now, we met Esther, and we see how she's very carefully and astutely trying to assess her situation, right? Trying to assess where she is. Um, she does seem to have a little bit of savviness, right? Not, I, I don't think um, necessarily that we have to say about her that she was a poor orphan girl and just didn't know what was happening. I think now we can see that she did know where she was and she was trying to assess her situation and act accordingly. Okay, now we're going to have a, uh, you know, a little bit of a, things are going to shift, right? So fast forward, she's chosen, very nice. She doesn't want to say who she is, right? Peregimel is, is Mordechai, uh, not Mordechai, sorry, Haman gets promoted. And then he, that's his, you know, the sale of the Jews, right? Which we talked about last time, right? They're not worth it. Um, let's get rid of them, okay? And after this decree is publicized, so... We have Perek Dalid, Mordechai yada et kol asher naasa. Mordechai heard what happened. Vayikra Mordechai et begadav. He rips his clothing. Vayibash sakva efer. Vayetebet hochair. Vayizak zeaka gedola umara. Right? He rips his clothing. He's in mourning. He's crying. He lets out a, a cry. Right? In Pasuk Be, Vayavo ad lifne shar ha melech. Ki en lavo el shar ha melech bilvush sak. Right, he can't pass the gate because he's not dressed appropriately, right? But he's he's mourning. Right, everywhere, all of the countries and and provinces where there were Jewish people living, and they heard about this decree. It was they were in mourning. They were devastated. They were worried. Right, they were all fasting and ripping their clothes, and it was. Really, very, very big time. I'm on page four at the top of the page. So now, what happens, right? Esther hears what her right beloved uncle, caregiver, whatever relationship they had. She hears that he's hanging out in in his ripped clothing and he's mourning. So, right, but right? She was she was very, very troubled. Um, Right? She she acts. She doesn't sit and do nothing. She sends him things. She says, what are you doing? Stop it. Right? She wants to tell him, stop it. But she wants to tell him, stop it. Just move on. What are you doing? Move on with your life. I'm sending you clothes. Let's let's just move on. Let's deal with this, right? But what's Mordechai's reaction? He doesn't accept the clothes. He he wants to send a message to Esther. In this in this perek. The word, the Shoresh uh, Tzadik Vav Hey Tziva Letzavot comes up 
a lot in this parak, right? We have it here in Pasuk Hey. Vatikra Esther lehatach. Esther calls hatach, right? One of the Nisarisei HaMelech, one of the servants. Asher he'emid lefaneha, that he gave her. Vatetzavehu amordechai ladaat mazeh ve'al mazeh, right? And she, she commands him to say, like, what's, what's going on, right? So Esther here is showing that she's in charge, right? She's trying to take charge. She's trying to tell Mordechai what to do. And he responds in kind, right? In Pasukhet, he says, right? right? He gave, he, Mordechai gives Hatach the written decree of Haman against the Jewish people. And he asks Hatach, to show it to Esther, right? And to tell, Now Mordechai tries, says, no, I'm going to tell you what to do. And what am I going to tell you what to do? Last, last line in Pasuket. Go cry to the king and beg that he's going to save us. Okay. So Esther, is, what do you mean? Go to the king, right? And then, right? 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 Hatach tells Esther, and Esther again. She, she, we see the power struggle here. But titzavehu, right? But Tomer Esther lahatach. But titzavehu el Mordechai. No, don't tell me what to do. I'm going to tell you what to do, right? I can't go to the king. Right? Uh, you can't just go to the king without being called. I haven't been called for 30 days. You, I can't just go to him. I'm, I'm going to get killed. Right? And Hatach conveys this to, to Mordechai, what she says. And then here, Mordechai, here's where Mordechai, you know, really shakes her up. Right and the, the famous pesukim that we all know. Right, Al Tedami ben Avshech lehimalet bet Hamelch mikol Ayudim. Don't think that you could stand there in the palace and not do anything. Right, Kiim hacharish tacharishi baet hazot revach vehatzala yavol yamod laYudim mimakom acher. Right, mimakom acher. Which makom? Right. We say Hashem Hashem is hidden in the Megillah, but revach vehatzala yavol laYudim mimakom acher. Right. Direct reference to God, obviously. Right. We, we talk about mitzvot, right? Ben adam la makom, ben adam la chavero, right? Clear reference to Hashem. Okay, ve'atu bet avich tovedu, umi yodea, and who knows, who knows, right? Im la'et kazot higat lamachut. Who knows, maybe this is why you were here. Maybe this is why you were placed here. You're trying so hard and you're making all these calculated decisions to, to lay low and to get kicked out of the palace, but you know what? Maybe you're here. Maybe this is your opportunity. Maybe this is our chance. So Mordechai is also making his own calculations, and together they're trying to figure out what to do, right? We have the Shorsh, Litzavot, she's trying to tell him what to do, he's trying to tell her what to do, but at the end of the day, he does get through to her, and she answers him. What? And then, and then, what's Pasuk Yedzain? Look at Pasuk Yedzain. He does... Whatever she says, right? Right? He does what she says, right? She, in the end, he inspires her, but, but she springs into action. And, and the way that she springs into action is a little bit different than what he said, right? He said, go cry to the king. She says, no, 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 no. We got to do this properly. We got to do this the right way. 
Esther is always thinking. She's calculating. She's assessing her situation. We got to do this the right way, Mordechai. Right? Lech kenoset kol hayudim hanimtayim beShushan vetzumu alai. Right? Go gather all the Jews that are in Shushan and fast for me. Ve'al tochlu ve'al tishtu shloshet yamim. Don't eat and drink for three days. Right? Ve'gam ani ve'na'arot hayatum. We're also going to fast. And, and then I will go to the king, which is against the rule. And if I, I am lost and I am killed, then that's what will be. Because why? Who else went to the defied the king, right? Vashti. It's the story of Vashti. She has this what happened with Vashti hanging over her head, right? Vashti went to the king, not went to the king, but right, did something against the king, right? She. she she didn't, right, she didn't go to the king when he asked her to go, right? But she, she defied the king. She defied the king's orders. So Esther, by going to the king, would also defy the king's orders, right? So she's saying, look what happened to the last one. But all right, this is what I got to do, right? This is my opportunity. But if we're going to do this, we're going to do this the right way. We're going to gather everybody. We're going to pray. We're going to, you know, inspire everybody to be unified and cry out to Hashem. And then I'm going to go. I'm not just going to go just like that, right? We're going to do this the right way. And, and, and Mordechai does it, right? Right? Esther ends up calling the shots, right? She's, she's commanding him what to do. So they, everybody fasts and, and mourns and prays. And this, the parakeh, this very, very, this pasuk is like, I think one of the most beautiful pasukim in the Megillah. I'm on page five, source number five. Um, on the third day, the culmination of the fasting and the praying, right? Vatilbash Esther Malchut, right? She wears, she, the, the translation is Esther put on royal apparel, but it's not really an accurate translation of the Pasuk, right? Putting on royal apparel would be, right, Vatilbash Esther Bigdei Malchut, right? She, she donned royalty, right? She herself. Now, obviously the, the simple reading of this pasuk is that she's going to approach Achashverosh. But look how many words, look how many times the word melech appears in the pasuk, right? This is invoking all types of, of imagery of, of kingship, right? Vatilbash Esther Malchut. Rashi on the pasuk Vatilbash Esther Malchut says that she was inspired with Ruach HaKodesh, right? Hashem entered with her into Achashverosh's chambers, right? She stood in the king's courtyard across from the king's house. And the king is sitting on his royal throne, right? This is not a reference to God. I don't know what is, right? We're invoking Melech and the Melech is sitting on his throne. There's beautiful Midrashim on this Pasuk. I have one here. But um, another Midrash says that she... That she prayed. She prayed. She said chapter chapter 22 of Tehillim. And that Vatilbash Esther Machut is referring to uh, the Ruach HaKodesh that she got. Okay, so she's going in. We're going to see the, the next Midrash in a minute. And the king sees her and she's, she's all nervous, right? Because that's, that's what Esther does, right? She's, she finds fever in everybody's eyes. Right, he extends his scepter and she knows that that's her cue, that she's allowed to come in. Now, the Midrash's reading of this 
It's not so simple, guys. Okay? So we already have the Midrashim, which I told you about how much she prayed. Which, which fits, right? Because we know she was fasting for three days. Can't be that she's not nervous, right? She's, she's and we know, Esther assesses her situation. She thinks things through. She, she looks at where she is and she thinks about it and she makes calculated decisions. Okay, we're looking at the next Midrash in source number six. She puts on beautiful clothing and jewelry. She takes with her her two maidservants, her two you know, young girls. Right? She leans on one. Like, I guess that was a sign of royalty to like lean on one of your servants. And then the second one is holding up her jewelry. Okay? Um, I'm, I'm skipping a couple of lines, right? She's trying so hard to appear happy and to hide the fear in her heart. She, she approaches the, the inner chambers of the king. And the king is looking very royal and kingly. He picks up his eyes. And he gets very angry with her. That she came without being called. And Esther sees... And she vateret pneha melech vehine enav kaesh boarot. And she sees that his eyes are burning with fire, angry at her. Right? Merov hachema sher belibo. And what does she do? Vataker hamakat ketzef hamelech. Vatit bahel meod vatafegurcha. She, she, that she loses her strength. That's it. She, she, she's dejected. She falls. Her, her spirits fall. Her face falls. Vatasemoshal hanerota somechadimina. And her, her, her posture. She just falls on her, on her servant. God sees, right? And he is the one. And he feels bad for this orphan girl who had faith in him, who just prayed for him, just prayed to him for the past three days. And he, he makes her look beautiful and he allows Achashverosh to find favor in her eyes, right? This, this Midrash is, is so nice because it, where does Rashi get that she got you know, Ruach HaKodesh, divine inspiration. Like, what's going on here? And all the Midrashim pick up on this. Or rather, Rashi is really using the Midrashim, right? Um, that God had a hand in this, right? She prayed, and it wasn't so simple. It wasn't like she came to the king and it was, you know, daisies and roses and all of a sudden, right? Here, this Midrash is saying, no, the king was really very mad, and she lost it. And, and Hashem helped her. Um, another Midrash says that when she prayed chapter 22 of Tehillim, um, the same thing. She went in initially. This is a little bit of a different perspective. Here it's saying that she went in proud and she hid her fear. Another Midrash says she wasn't able to hide her fear. She was so afraid and Hashem sent down the Malachi Hasharet, the angels, to come and help her carry herself properly. Right? So another beautiful thing that we see here is she's taking initiative and, and Hashem is, is helping her, right? We do something L'Shem Shamayim, Hashem is going to help us. Um, and and she and Hashem allows Achashverosh to find favor in her eyes. I'm on the next page, um, and she and and he asks her right. How come you didn't speak to me when I saw you? She covers it up. 
she's a whip, Esther, right? She knows what she's doing. She said, oh, I was so overwhelmed by your greatness and by your glory, right? We know this is a king that needs his ego stroked. We know that, right? He makes parties. He shows off, right? He needs to be the center of attention. And she knows that. She knows what to do. She says, oh, I was so overwhelmed by your glory. So I, you know, I froze for a minute. You know, she's very poised, very in control. We see that she does lose it for a minute. Hashem comes in to help her and she picks right back up. Very, very calculated, very, very astute Esther. Okay. So then we know the famous party that she throws for Achashverosh, and she says, you know, he says, what, what do you need, Esther, right? I'll give you up to half my kingdom, right? Half my kingdom, not my whole kingdom, right? And because obviously if somebody wants something from him, it's going to be power, right? He's, he's like projecting his own wants onto somebody else. Um, and, and she invites him to the party, and, and he comes, and him and Haman come. And then we know that she invites them to a second party. And in source number seven, you have... So, A, not only does she know how to stroke Achashverosh's ego, but she knows how to stroke Haman's ego. In source number seven, Right? Haman is coming home to his wife and his kids and he's bragging I went to a party the queen threw and it was only me and the king and now she's throwing another one and only I got right I got cold he's psyched he she knows how to stroke Achashverosh's ego she knows how to strike stroke Haman's ego as well and it's totally working Haman is full of himself he feels so special I'm invited to the queen's party um Right, the Karula. Right, I'm also I'm, I, I went today and I'm called again to go tomorrow. The Malbim comments on in source number eight. He says, "Why did she really need to invite Haman? She could have just had a party for her and Achashverosh, and then told him what happened." Right? What's Haman doing in the picture? Again, we see very smart, astute, knows what to do. Esther. Okay, I'm in the Malbim in source number eight. There are many reasons that the Mefarshim give for her inviting Haman, and he brings a couple of them. Right? Right. So what is what is it saying? He she wants to show that it's not like she's a personal vendetta against him. So she's making nice with him. She includes him, right? It's not like a power struggle. She sees him as a threat, right? She knows how to play her politics, Esther. So she's gonna invite him so that it looks like it's not personal, but it's her nation is in trouble. She has to save her nation, right? So to make everybody happy. She knows what she's doing. What's the second reason? So that Haman doesn't suspect anything. And that she catches him off guard. Because he's going to be at the party. We, we already saw, right? He's full of himself because she knows how to stroke his ego. So he's not going to, he's going to be caught off guard. He's not going to have time to, you know, finagle and say, no, but this, find excuses, right? And also, la'et matzo alot bekal. I'm going to make a party. I'm going to get them all drunk so that when I tell this to the king, he's going to get very angry. Because what happened when Vashti defied him at the last party on the seventh day when he was so drunk? He was so drunk that he was so not in control over his emotions, right? He was burning with anger. So too, I'm going to set him 
him up in the same scenario. I'm going to get him drunk so that when I tell him that this is what Haman is planning, he's going to get so, so angry. Again, Esther, she's a whip. Um, okay, and that's why she invites Haman to the party. Um, Ibn Ezra, oh, Ibn Ezra comments on why she made two parties, right? Why didn't she tell him the first time? So we know the first party, we said, okay, so she wanted to make Hashvosh feel special and Haman, right? But why didn't she tell him at the first party? Why is she waited for the second party? Ah, again, she's continuously always assessing her situation, right? Umachar ese. She, she refrained from speaking the, at the first party she didn't see a sign that this was her time she said something's not right the timing's off it's not the right time for me to tell what happened in between the first and the second party yeah, Mordechai, right? Once she saw that, that was in between the first and second party. Oh, now she has chizuk. Oh, this is a sign from God. Now is my time, right? She's, she's again, calculated, assessing her situation. Um, and at the second party, as we know, she tells Achashverosh what Haman was planning, right? And she and she she begs for her for her life and for her people's life, right? right? You could see in the way that she's talking, right? She's she's really playing him up. She's, you know, like you're you're so powerful, right? Please, right? If I find favor in your eyes, right? She's she really knows how to talk to him. And then she says, right? Right? This somebody wants to kill us and we're sell us to be killed, right? If they just wanted to turn us into slaves, then I wouldn't say anything. I really, I don't want to bother you. I don't want to, I don't want to be, trouble you, right? But really, somebody, somebody's causing us to be killed. So I have to tell you, right? How could I sit back and, and watch my nation be destroyed, right? Watch where I came from, totally be destroyed. So this is, right? And we all know the ending. Achashverosh gets up and he gets angry, the Midrash also very, just to like give you a sense of, we talked last time um, about how like Megillah Esther is almost has this like satirical feel to it. Um, the Midrash says that when Achashverosh got up to go take a walk because he was very angry after he heard what Haman was planning, the, one of the angels was cutting the, um, the vines from the trees. So every time he would walk, he had to step over a vine. So he got more and more angry. Um, I thought that was, that was, you know, cute one. Um, but also, it just goes to show you, right? Like, when, when a person does something with Shem Shamaim, right? There's, there's, a, there's a quote, right? When somebody wants to go a certain way, we allow him to go in that way. And that works unfortunately, right? We have, unfortunately, we have the ability to choose to go in the wrong path. And when we do that, right? God doesn't strike us with lightning and say, no, don't do this, right? We're free to choose. But we also see from here that when somebody does want to do something, L'Shem Shamaim, that God really supports that, and that's a manifestation of that. Esther seized her opportunity to save the Jewish people, and, and Hashem really put things in place for her. Hashem really supported her, and Hashem really helped her. Um, and I, I think that's a very just good reminder of 
sometimes when we doubt that when we're doing the right thing, right? You have to remember that if we're doing something Hashem Shamaim, Hashem is, is going to help us and, and God willing, you know, make things go the right way. So, right, we know, and then Haman ends up being killed, and Mordechai ends up being second to the king, and Esther ends up, you know, with Haman's house, and, and, and all that stuff. So I wanted to point out, before we just kind of, like, put the lessons all together, um, just, like, some interesting plays on the language, right? We know that the Megillah was um, in source number 10. V'nahafochu, right? We say in the Megillah, v'nahafochu, right? It was switched, the decree, right? The Jews were supposed to be killed and then they were victorious, right? So we have in Peregimel, right, in, when Haman is claiming, right, right, these Jewish people, they're not, it's not, they're not worth the king's trouble, right? And then Esther uses like that same language, right? I don't want to trouble the king, right? And this is to punish Haman, right? In, the, in the, the first time, it was to punish the Jewish people and to kill them. The second, right? And this, she uses the same language to get Haman punished, right? And in, we have in the beginning of the Megillah, we're introduced to this like very angry king, Achashverosh. And then once Haman is killed, the king is no longer angry. Right? The king's anger dies down by the end of the Megillah, right? We have this angry, volatile king at the end of the Megillah. He's, he's, he's calm from that. We have the beginning of the Megillah, right? Lohigida Esther. Esther did not. And then what happens at the end of the Megillah after Haman is dealt with? She, she gets the house of Haman. And Mordechai was able to approach the king. Now she does say. And now she does, right? All in the right time. Um, and then, right? And then, right? And, and how she didn't want to go. And then the, the Megillah ends. Right? She goes from trying to not be picked. She goes from that to being the really the Megillah's heroine. And she's the one that records all of this and writes all of this down. So, so let's like just put all this together. And what do we learn from Esther? First of all, I think now we could all appreciate right that it wasn't just all of a sudden in the middle she magically became, uh, you know, a hero and she was she was totally passive and this you know poor orphan girl right we see really that Esther had it within her she was sharp she was always assessing the situation and she used that she used her strength to take action um and really she learned that from Vashti right Vashti didn't assess her situation properly Vashti did something rash. She did it not at the right time. She defied the king in a way the king that didn't, shouldn't have been defied. Not that she should have given in. But what, what Esther learned from Vashti was, okay, that's not the way to go. I need to butter him up. I need to soften him up. I need to stroke his ego. I, I, I need to think about all of my variables. Right? Vashti didn't do that. She just said, no, I'm not coming. Right? So she really learned from her situation. And we see how that follows her. Right? Kasher avaditi avaditi. Oh. I, you know, I'm going to end up like the first one, right? It's like she knows that she's instead of this, you know, queen that got killed. She, she's, she learns from the previous, you know, the previous things. And like how, how um, relevant is that for us, right? To learn from the past and to learn from what was and things that were done not correctly. So don't repeat that. Make it better. Think about it. Reflect on it and make it better. Um, 
another thing we, we definitely, so we talked about, right, right, but we see that so strongly um, in Vatilbash Esther Machut, in that she, she goes from fasting for three days and, and, and she's praying and right at the end of three days of fasting, like you're not, you don't, you're not at your full strength, right? You, you were praying, you feel, but, but she goes in and Hashem really comes down like we saw from the Midrashim and helps her and supports her. Um, again, the Midrash with Achashverosh walking in the garden, even just, right, he walks and comes back, the Haman nofel al Hamid, right, Haman ends up falling on the bed that Esther is, and Achashverosh sees, and he's like, ah, what are you trying to do, right, you're trying to take over my house, enough with you, right, Hashem, um, Hashem really supported her, which, which leads me to the third thing, in, which is, I think, the most significant thing that we take from Esther, is that we see throughout the Megillah, we know about the Megillah, right? Hashem's name doesn't appear and Hashem is hidden and we could probably, we could spend the whole hour and a half class just talking about that and, and why that's significant and Megillah Esther was included in Tanakh purposefully because Hashem's name is not in it so that we appreciate to look for Hashem in our lives, right? So we know that all of this wasn't coincidence and that Hashem really is running things. But we see that Hashem is running things. Hashem put the pieces in place for the Jewish people to be saved. He really did, right? He he set up, right? You look at the Megillah and you said, oh, well, what a coincidence this happened, right? It's Hashem running things, but the piece was Esther. The piece was Esther being inspired, saying, oh, I really have to do something now. I have to seize this opportunity. Things are being put in place. I ended up in the king's palace, um, you know, I, I have the ability to, to tell Mordechai kid to gather all the Jews, right? She she sees that things were put in place. She saw she saw that it was the right time to tell Achashverosh at the second party that you know after Haman, after, yeah, after Haman had to lead Mordechai all around the city, she saw that it was the right time, and she sees the opportunity, and she was successful, and she caused her people to be saved. So, like, the question that we ask ourselves, right, Esther represents seizing the opportunity. Sometimes we're faced with something, and, and do we, do we want to seize the opportunity? Do we care to seize the opportunity? Which is essentially what Mordechai was telling her, right? Who knows? Maybe this is why you became queen in the first place, right? Essentially, he's telling her, do you care? Do you care what's happening outside here? You're telling me not to fast and not to change my clothes, but your people are suffering. You have a chance now. Do you care to seize the opportunity and take action? Or are you going to sit here in your palace and you, you, you think nothing's going to happen to you? But don't worry, Hashem's going to take care of us, right? This is up to you now. Are you going to take this chance and, and advocate for your people and do what's good for Am Yisrael, right? And I think that sometimes we're faced with that same thing, right? We have opportunities to help, to do things, to contribute positively to society, to our homes, to Am Yisrael. Do we seize the opportunity? Do we look ourselves in the mirror and say, oh, I have an opportunity to do this now. I'm going to seize this opportunity, right? Do we do that? And that's, and that's a stare. And I'm going to do that with everything that I have and fully and dedicate myself with Misty Root Nefesh and use my strengths and my qualities that I possess in order to do that. And that's what we, we see from Esther. That's what we learn from Esther. Seizing the opportunity to advocate and to work and to, to really be goel, um, our people. So with that, I want to wish everybody a Purim Sameach. And may we really merit of an Ahafochu, all of the 
unfortunately, Jews in the world that are not doing so well, God willing, should experience a venahafochu, and we should all celebrate Yemei Mishteh V'Simcha together.